Hello. How was your day? Are you ready for another tale? Well, at the end of the last episode, we talked about how the fisherman was trying to trick the Ifrit to get back into the that thing. Um, it seemed like he was going to be successful. So, let's see how it goes further. When it was the fourth night, her sister said to her, Please finish for us this tale, and thou be not sleepy. So she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king. She says every episode, every night in the beginning, she says, She says, O auspicious king. It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the fisherman said to the Ifrit, I will never, and now eyes believe thee until I see thee inside it with mine own eyes. The evil spirit on the instant shook and became a vapor, which condensed and entered the jar little by little, till all was well inside, when lo, the fisherman in hot haste took the leaden cap with the seal and stoppered therewith the mouth of the jar and called out to the ifrit saying, Ask me, by way of boon, what death thou wilt die. By God I will throw thee into the sea before us, and here will I build me a lodge, and whoso cometh hither I will warn him against fishing and will say, In these waters abideth an ifrit, who giveth as a last favour a choice of deaths, and fashion of slaughter, to the man who saveth him. Now when the ifrit heard this from the fisherman, and saw himself in limbo, he was minded to escape, but this was prevented by Solomon's seal. So he knew that the fisherman had cozened, 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 tricked him. Well, that's, that's a good replacement. So he knew that the fisherman had tricked and outwitted him. And he waxed lowly and submissive and began humbly to say, I did, but jest with thee. But he answered, Thou liest, O vilest of the Ifrits, and meanest and filthiest. And he set off with the bottle for the seaside. The Ifrit calling out, Nay, nay. And he calling out, Aye, aye. Thereupon the evil spirit softened his voice and smoothed his speech and abased himself, saying, What wouldst thou do with me, O fisherman? I will throw thee back into the sea, where thou hast been housed and homed for a thousand and eight hundred years, and now I will leave thee therein till judgment day. Did I not say to thee, Spare me, and Allah shall spare thee, and slay me not, lest Allah slay thee? Yet thou spurnest, 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 my supplication, yet thou spurnest my supplication and hadst no intention save to deal ungraciously by me, and Allah hath now thrown thee into my hands, and I am cunninger than thou. Open for me, and I may bring thee veal. Thou liest, thou accursed, my case with thee is that of the vizier of King Yunan and the sage Duban. And who was the vizier of King Yanan, and who was the sage Duban? And what was the story? Quoth the Ifrit, whereupon the fisherman began to tell the tale of the vizier and the sage Duban. So in that desperate situation, he's just going to tell a story. Well, let's see how it goes. No, 
O thou Ifrit, that in days of yore, and in ages long gone before, a king called Yunan reigned over the city of Fars and the land of Rum. Maybe a little bit of a clarification here. Yunnan in Persian means the country Greece. And Fars is, of course, Persia. And Rum is referred to the Roman Empire and, or, or the Roman territory. So there was a king who was ruling over Persia and Rome. And he was called Greece. Eh, take what you want from it. He was a powerful ruler and a wealthy who had armies and guards and allies of all nations of men. But his body was afflicted with a leprosy, which leeches and men of science failed to heal. He drank potions and he swallowed powders and he, was, and he used unguments. But naught did him good, and none among the hosts of physicians availed to procure him a cure. At last there came to his city a mighty healer of men, and one well-stricken in years, the sage Duban height. This man was a reader of books, Greek, Persian, Roman, Arabian and Syrian, and he was skilled in astronomy and in leechcraft, the theoric as well as the practic. He was experienced in all that healeth and that hurteth the body, conversant with the virtues of every plant, grass and herb and their benefit and bane, and he understood philosophy and had, and had compassed the whole range of medical science and other branches of the knowledge tree. Now, this physician passed but few days in the city, ere he heard of the king's malady and all his bodily suffering through the leprosy with which Allah had smitten him, and how all the doctors and boys men had failed to heal him. Upon this, he sat up through the night in deep thought and, when broke the dawn and appeared the morn and light was again born, and the sun greeted the good whose beauties the world adorn, he donned his handsomest dress and going to the king Yanan, he kissed the ground before him. Then he prayed for the endurance of his honor and prosperity in fairest language. And made himself known, saying, O king, tidings have reached me of what befell thee through that which is in thy person, and how the host of physicians have proven themselves unveiling to abate it. And lo, I can cure thee, O king, and yet will I not make thee drink of draught or anoint thee with ointment. Now when King Yunan heard his words, he said in huge surprise, How wilt thou do this? By God, if thou make me whole, I will enrich thee even to thy son's son, and I will give thee sumptuous gifts, and whatso thou wishest shall be thine, and thou shalt be to me a cup companion and a friend. Apparently cup companion means that we will be sitting together drinking, and that counts as a high honor to sit and drink with the king. The king then robed him with a dress of honor and entreated him graciously and asked him, Canst thou indeed cure me of this complaint without drug and unguent? unguent? And he answered, Yes, I will heal thee without the pains and penalties of medicine. The king marveled with exceeding marvel and said, O oh, physician, when shall be this whereof thou speakest, and in how many days shall it take place? 
Haste thee, O my son. I hear, and I obey. The cure shall begin tomorrow. So saying, he went forth from the prisons and hired, and hired himself a house in the city for better storage of his books and scrolls, his medicine and his aromatic roots. Then he set to work at choosing the fittest drugs and simples, and he fashioned a bat hollow within and furnished with a handle without for which he made a ball, the two being prepared with consummate art. On the next day, when both were ready for use and wanted nothing more, he went up to the king and, kissing the ground between his hands, bade him ride forth on the parrot ground, there to play at Pollen Mall. What? So on the next day, when the both kissing the ground and bade him forth the parrot grounds, there to play at Pollen Mall. I don't know exactly what Pollen Mall are meaning to be, but in the Persian. Uh, translation that I was reading before this episode, I was recording the Persian episode, and there they mentioned the game of polo, where they sit on horsebacks and shoot the balls with sticks. So apparently that was a very popular game between Persian emperors and kings, they loved it over there, back then, and our sage invited the king to that specific playground, or parrot ground, to play polo, essentially. He was accompanied by his suit, emirs and chamberlains, viziers and lords of the realm, and ere he was seated, the sage Duban came up to him, and handing him the bat said, take this maul, and grip it, as I do, and now push for the plain, and leaning well over thy horse, drive the ball with all thy might, until thy palm be moist, and thy body perspire. Then the medicine will penetrate through thy palm, and will permeate thy person. When thou hast done with playing, and thou feelest the effects of the medicine, return to thy palace, and make the ablution in the bath, and lay thee down to sleep. So shalt thou become whole, and now peace be with thee. Thereupon King Yunan took the bat from the sage and grasped it firmly. Then, mounting steed, he drove the ball before him and galloped after it till he reached it. When he struck it with all his might, his palm gripping the bat handle the while, and he ceased not mulling the ball till his hand waxed moist and his skin perspiring in the medicine from the wood. Then the sage Duban knew that the drugs had penetrated his person and bade him return to the palace and enter the hammam without stay or delay. So King Yunan forthwith returned and ordered them to clear for him the bath. They did so, the carpet spreaders making all haste and the slaves all hurry and got ready a change of raiment for the king. He entered the bath and made the total ablution long and thoroughly, then donned his clothes within the hammam and rode therefrom to his palace where he lay him down and slept. Such was the case with King Yunan, but as regards the sage Duban, he returned home and slept as usual, and when the morning dawned he repaired to the palace and craved audience. The king ordered him to be admitted. Then, having kissed the ground, every time he kisses the ground between his hands, does he put his hands on the ground so that everybody who comes to visit him could kiss 
between them. Having kissed the ground, in allusion to the king, he recited these couplets with solemn intonation, intonations. Excuse me if I butcher these couplets. Feel free to educate me if you knew them better than me. Happy is eloquence when thou art named her sire, but mourns she when as other men the title claimed. O Lord of fairest presence, whoso illuming rays, clear off the fogs of doubt, eye-veiling deeds high-framed. Ne'er cease thy face to shine like dawn and rise of morn, and never show time's face with heat of ear in flame. Thy grace hath favoured us with gifts that worked such wise, as rain clouds raining on the hills by walls and framed. Freely thou lavishedst thy wealth to rise in high, till one from time debates were at thy grandeur aimed. Now, when the sage ceased reciting, the king rose quickly to his feet and fell on his neck. Did he really fall? Then, seating him, acting natural, then seating him by his side, he bade dress him in a sumptuous dress. For it had so happened that when the king left the hammam and looked on his body, he saw no trace of leprosy. The skin was all clean as virgin silver. He joyed thereat with exceeding joy, his breast broadened with delight, and he felt thoroughly happy. Presently, when it was full day, he entered his audience hall and sat upon the throne of his kingship, whereupon his chamberlains and grandees flocked to the presence, and with them the sage Duban. Seeing the leech, the king rose to him in honor and seated him by his side. Then the food trays furnished with the daintiest viands were brought, and the physician ate with the king. Nor did he cease accompanying him all that day. Moreover, at nightfall he gave the physician Duban two thousand gold pieces besides the usual dress and honor and other gifts, and sent him home on his own steed. After the sage had fared forth, King Yunnan again expressed his amazement at the leech's art, saying, This man medicined my body from without, nor anointed me with aught of ointments. By God, surely this is none other than consummate skill. I am bound to honor such a man with rewards and distinction and take him to my companion and my friend during the remainder of my days. So King Yunnan passed the night in joy and gladness for that his body has been made whole and had thrown off the pernicious aha, for that his body had been made whole and had thrown off so pernicious a malady. On the morrow, the king went forth from his seraglio and sat upon his throne, and the lords of estate stood about him, and the emirs and viziers sat as was their wont on his right hand and on his left. Then he asked for the sage Duban, who came in and again <laughs> kissed the ground before him, it this time not between his hands, and gave him gifts and ceased not conversing with him until night approached. Dude, do your job, you're the king. Then the king ordered him, by way of salary, five dresses of honor and a thousand dinars. The physician returned to his own house, full of gratitude to the king. Now, 
When next morning dawned, the king repaired to his audience hall, and his lords and nobles surrounded him, and his chamberlains and his ministers, as the white closeth, eh? as the white encloseth the black of the eye. Now the king had a vizier among his viziers, unsightly to look upon, an ill-omened spectacle, sordid, ungracious, full of envy and evil will. When this minister saw the king place the physician near him and give him all these gifts, he jealoused him and planned to do him harm, as in the saying on such subject, envy lurks in everybody. And another saying which goes, oppression hideth in every heart, power revealeth it, and weakness concealeth it. Then the minister came before the king and kissing the ground between his hands, of course, said, O king of the age and of all time, thou in whose benefits I have grown to manhood, I have weighty advice to offer thee, and if I withhold it, I were a son of adultery, and no true-born man, son of a bitch. Wherefore, and thou order me to disclose it, I will so do forthwith, quoth the king, and he was troubled at the words of the minister. And what's this counsel of thine? O glorious monarch, the wise of old have said, Whoso regardeth not the end, hath not fortune to friend. And indeed I have lately seen the king on far other than the right way, for he lavisheth largest on his enemy, on one whose object is the decline and fall of his kingship. To this man he hath shown favour, honouring him with over honour and making of him an intimate wherefore i fear for the king's life the king who was much troubled and changed colour asked him whom doest thou suspect and anent whom doest thou hint and the minister answered o king as thou be sleep wake up i point to the physician duban fie upon thee this is a true friend who is favoured by me above all men because he cured me with something which i held in my hand and he healed my leprosy which had baffled all physicians indeed he is one whose like may not be found in these days no not in the whole world from furthest east to utmost west and it is of such a man thou sayest such hard sayings now from this day forward I allot him as settled, sold, and allowances, every month a thousand gold pieces, and were I to share with him my realm, twere but a little matter. Perforce I must suspect that thou speakest on this wise from mere envy and jealousy, as they relate to the king Sindibad, or Sandbad, or Sindbad. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say. Then quoth Dunyazad, O oh, my sister, how pleasant is thy tale, and how tasteful, how sweet, and how grateful. Of course, of course, if you have a beautiful lady telling you good stories, not bad stories, and you have another beautiful lady complimenting her every time, every night. Of course you're not going to kill them. These are two beautiful ladies saying nice things at your bed side. Well, one of them is technically in your bed. 
You haven't heard about the pet activities of the other one. What is happening? Anyways, so Shahzad said, and where is this compared with what I could tell thee on the coming night if the king deigns spare my life? Then of course the king said to himself, by God, I will not slay her until I hear the rest of her tale, of course, for truly it is wondrous. So they rested the night in mutual embrace until the dawn. Beautiful. Then the king went forth to his hall of rule, and the vizier and the troops came in, and the audience chamber was thronged, and the king gave orders and judged and appointed and opposed and bathed and forbade during the rest of the day, till the court broke up and King Shahriar returned to his palace. I also leave you with great wishes.